0: Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live, which is not live due to server issues. So we are forced to record a podcast and not stream tonight because we don't want to sit there and drop in and out all night. And uh, we just want to be able to talk about the White Sox and uh, get it out of our systems for for about a week or so my name is Ian Eskridge I'm here with my co-host the Danny Miller how you doing Danny
1: well you know uh, I guess I'm uh, I'm doing okay you know not a lot of uh, news in uh, any kind of major movement for the White Sox Uh, you know we've had some unfortunate news that I'm sure we'll talk about here a little bit tonight but you know other than that, uh, I myself am doing well, you know, getting some projects done around the house after the holiday season is uh, come and gone, and, uh, you know, just getting back to uh, eating better and living life the way I should, as opposed to, uh, you know, holiday binging and whatnot.
0: How are you, man? How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Can't complain. Uh had first... Well, uh, you know, our first preseason baseball workout for my kids' team yesterday, and that was interesting. It was all uh, all fielding stuff, so working on footwork and fundamental stuff with the kids, and that was all right. Um, yeah, other than that, not really a whole lot going on. Um, yeah, so, I mean, let's just get to the awful news that came out this week that... Liam Hendricks on Instagram made us aware of that he is or he has been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma which is uh yeah lymphatic cancer and um you know it uh, attacks the lymph nodes and and uh, it's no bueno um so he started his Treatment yesterday, and uh, you know the White Sox released a statement, more or less saying that they, you know, support Liam the person, and are not worried about Liam the baseball person right now, which is the correct thing to do. Um, and that they don't expect any updates on his condition at least until at least uh, opening day. In right. spring training. So, um,
1: right. Quite understandable for the situation as well. Too, uh, you know, uh, apparently Liam is known for a little bit and hasn't really told anybody, although it didn't sound like he's known for a long time, but, uh, didn't make it, you know, uh, didn't make it a point of conversation when he was working out with some of the guys in Arizona. Cause, uh, you know, as far as I know, he's been down there in Arizona a little bit. Some of the pitchers uh, have already uh, reported that, you know, I guess you would call it maybe like minicamp or whatever. Um, You know, so I I saw an interview on uh, the MLB network last night with uh, Joe Kelly. And, uh, you know, Joe had said that he found out pretty much just before that uh, Instagram post went out, so. You know, it's understanding that the, the White Sox aren't going to update us much on that. I'm sure that, uh, you know, Liam's going to go ahead and start his treatment and, you know, get uh, get on the way to uh, getting himself healthy and better. And, you know, that's just one of those things. You're not really going to know what kind of progress is being made in, in, you know, for at least a little bit. So, you know, all I can say on my end is that uh, my heart goes out to him and his family. And, uh, you know, the White Sox organization, as uh, Liam deals with this kind of thing, because it is it's unfortunate news, you know, albeit the uh, the treatment over the years has gotten better and the uh, the success rate has uh, gotten better. You know, it's still a scary situation. So yeah. how are you feeling about that whole thing, man?
0: Yeah, uh, my heart goes out to the family, obviously, you know, um, it's. Not the news that anybody was hoping for, you know. Obviously, no. Um, yeah, it's it's just a, a terrible situation. Um, I don't know if you happened to catch the Scott Radinsky interview with Chuck Garfine. Did you happen to hear any of that?
1: No, and you know, I was uh, I was actually meaning to get to that a, a little bit today, and unfortunately, uh, you know, as things go, uh, you know, they tend to come up when you at uh, least expect them. And I just couldn't find the time. So uh, I will, when we get done here tonight, I will actually probably take a few minutes to go ahead and give that a listen. But, uh, it sounds like you have. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and enlighten us a little bit for those of us who haven't.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, he more or less just says that it's, a obviously not fun and, uh, that it's going to be, uh, a long road for Liam that um you know he's looking at you know anywhere from probably like you know at the very, very very least uh you're looking at six to ten months. So right. um pretty
1: much right. and Scott Rudinsky would know. I mean there's this is a guy who's uh who's fought that battle so
0: Yeah. So I mean any any hopes of having him this season at all are pretty much uh, out the window and he won't be pitching for the White Sox. You know, Recon said that they expect him to pitch for the White Sox again, but you know, we'll, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, the, uh, the contract has the, uh, option on it for next year. And, um, I don't know. I, I'll be, sh- you know, I'll be shocked if, you know, if he pitches this year, I, I,
1: would be flabbergasted <laughs> I don't yeah I've heard know. some folks that were you know <laughs> trying to be on the hopeful and and positive side thinking that you know there's a possibility that maybe uh you know if the Sox uh look like they're gonna make it to the postseason you know towards the end of the year that you know if Liam's feeling up to it hopefully he can come back around but you know, I got to be completely honest with you, everything that I've read and, you know, it was immediately one of the first things I did was kind of go and do a little bit of research because I don't know anything about non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. You know, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. Uh, but you know, you hear about it. There's all these commercials, you know, attorneys out there and, you know, ambulance chasers or whatever, but when, uh, when you actually stop to kind of think about it, you really don't know anything. And I went and looked, you know. And uh, like I said, in my reading, you know, the prognosis has gotten better over the years. I think, you know, just in the last, like, six or seven years, uh, the survivability rate of 10 years and beyond was something like 71 or 73%. Uh, as opposed to one of the articles I re- read that was, you know, like, only five or six years old, it, it was, like, 50%, you know what I mean? Or even lower, I can't remember. So, you know, the numbers are promising. Uh, you just kind of hope for the best. You know, especially, he's he's a young man. He's not as weathered as, say, someone like uh, you or myself. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you got to hope that they caught it at the right time. And, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, being that he is a, athlete uh you know those types of people tend to take care of themselves better than the rest of us or at least you know many of us and uh david you know,
0: well's not included
1: right <laughs> so you you kind of hope that uh you know he's got those things going for him and and that that should even give him a better uh you know outcome or at least an outlook uh and you know it is what it is man there's there's really nothing that we can do other than uh Show our support by uh, you know, not making too much of a big deal, prying into his personal life. You know, some of these uh, some of these writers and and reporters and and things, are, they, you know, can maybe get a little overzealous with these kinds of things. You know, you and I can sit here and talk about it all day long. We're not gonna we're not gonna bother him with that. But I just hope that uh, you know, the rest of the uh, the world kind of gives him and his family the peace that they need so that, uh, you know, he can focus on what he needs to do here in the coming months.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Scott Radinsky was, uh, I believe 25 or so when he was diagnosed yeah, and, well right. um, you know, it was going into the, uh, 94 season, I believe, uh, or maybe, yeah, I think it was like February in 94 or something like that. And, um, you know obviously with the strike happening and whatever he didn't have, he didn't make it back that year so um right yeah uh, you know Liam's a little bit older than that and um you know but the fact you know like you said he is an athlete and a competitor and you know has that drive that hopefully you know he can just uh weather the storm and get through it all and everything comes out you know aces on the other side let's just hope you know
1: yeah absolutely Absolutely. I'm sure he's got the, the finest people that he can, uh, have, you know, helping, um, through this, uh, through the process and through the treatment. And, you know, of course, uh, that can't hurt either. Uh, you have anything else
0: to say on the Liam thing before we move on?
1: Well, you know, as, uh, bloggers and streamers and podcasters, you know, this situation is unfortunate but it's also kind of what we do here to, you know, I don't want anybody to slam us for saying, oh, you're being insensitive, but we should probably talk about what the options are for the White Sox uh, coming, or I should say going forward with, uh, you know, what is expected to be a season miss by Liam Hendricks. And I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. So, you know, before we put this whole thing to bed, uh, you know, obviously that whole situation sucks, but you know, the Sox do have some things they got to do this, you know, it is a business. The game is not going to stop for one player. So, you know, I, I, again, I don't want to be insensitive, but you know, these are things that need to be talked about addressed. So uh, what do you got? What do you got on the, uh, on the old brain for that situation? Yeah. I mean, there's still a baseball season, right? So, yeah, I mean, there's 162 games to play. They're not going to stop that for him. Uh, You know, as much as we would like to be able to say, well, you know, we'll just wait until Liam's healthy.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm personally, uh, you know, under the feeling that I think that Ronaldo Lopez is going to end up being the closer for the team. I don't think, um, you know, I know that uh, Rick Hans probably licking his chops a little bit because he, you know, assuming that they probably will get some insurance money back, uh, on the books, uh, due to this whole situation, due to it being a medical, uh, a medical situation. Um, so I, I'm sure that, you know, Rick Hans licking his chops about, you know, trying to spend some of that money on relievers because we know how much he likes doing that. Um, (laughs) but I, you know, like there's also the thing is, I mean, it's, I mean, not that he's like a, uh, you know, that he can see the future or anything. But he did set this team up pretty well with a a bullpen if something major like this did happen. And, I mean, he might have been safeguarding against Liam's uh, tear in his elbow that he's had for years and hasn't gotten sorted out. Um, So that might have been why he did what he did, um, compiling, you know, a bullpen with, uh, you know, Kendall Graveman and Joe Kelly in it in addition to what they had been also bringing up and, you know, repurposing Reynaldo Lopez as a, as a reliever. And as it turns out, the guy is lights out when it comes to high leverage situations and, um, just as a reliever in
1: general. Um, yeah, I mean, you gotta say that, uh, You know, as shocking as it might have been to some folks, uh, he has found some utility in the picture that he, I mean, you know, and it's, 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 let me, I I don't want to say, I was going to say in the picture that he could have been, but you know, the thing is, is it's not like he he wasn't there before. You know, we saw what he could do for a little while. He had some really, really strong flashes and uh, you know, we've talked about it on this show before many times all of a sudden he goes and he gets the corrective surgery for his eyes. And you can see the sign that's being thrown down out there and you can see the glove and the target that you're throwing to. And wow. The guy comes back and he looks solid all the way around.
0: Yeah. Amazing what you can do when you can see. Right. You know?
1: Right. Um, you know, and then there's the other thing too is. uh, The White Sox will be getting a one Garrett Crochet back this season, which we all know is probably, you know, and I'm not going to say he's going to be a closer, but we know that, uh, you know, he's definitely not going to be a starter, at least, you know, in the early stages. Obviously, coming off of uh, his Tommy John surgery, there's going to be a a ramp-up period, right? and you know what better way to do that than put the guy in the bullpen for you know 70 80 innings to get him ready to you know maybe possibly take on a starting role later on
0: yeah no I, and you know the thing is i mean you heard rumblings earlier this year uh or earlier this off season about um raylo at some point being interested in being a closer and so i mean I mean, it's just, you know, weird set of circumstances that set this whole thing in motion that, um, you know, I think that it probably ends up with him being the eventual closer. Um, I, I mean, I know that Graveman's done it before, but, um, I prefer Ronaldo Lopez in
1: that situation personally, um, Kendall Graveman. Even though he's done some closing, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him out there. Uh, you know, a little bit here and there. Obviously, if if need to, the guy to go out and and do it, but uh, his biggest successes in his career have come as a setup man. You know, not that he was a terrible closer, but he wasn't. You know, obviously, Liam Hendricks. Uh, you know, and it's tough to do when you've got a guy who can uh, perennially be considered for the uh, best reliever in baseball year in and year out. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, do I expect those kinds of things from the guys that are, you know, currently on this roster? Maybe not. But Reynaldo Lopez, to me, like you're saying, shows the most potential to be uh, a guy that can shut down a game. And, you know, I think a lot of folks tend to forget that not only does, you know, Raylo have some pretty good stuff, but he's got, you know, some pretty good velocity as well, too. I mean, you know, he's throwing, you know, right at triple digits here and there. You know what I mean? He's, he's got a fastball that touches, you know, 99 yeah. quite often. You know, is he going to throw you a hundred and three hundred and four and blow them by you that way? No. But uh, he's got some pretty good stuff. And, uh, you know, if he can set you up with a couple of those 98, 99 mile an hour fastballs and then drop that one that, you know, falls off the table you know that that hammer is pretty good. Yeah. Uh you
0: know the he's got just you know, he's got just enough movement on his fastball to be able to uh you know blow it by some guys. And um you know uh, his location now that he can see what he's doing out there has uh improved significantly. I mean, we saw glimpses of it and I mean, you know, everybody kind of threw it to the side because it was against the the Tigers. So, you know, nobody was, you know, really I don't know, necessarily uh buying it per se, you know, because it was happening against uh, a bad team, but you know, um he has shown the ability to go out there and be dominant he did it with the nationals before he got traded here as well um so you know um yeah that's my that's my call on the whole thing and i i think that uh you know graveman like you said he can come in and do it every once in a great while but i think he's better off suited in a setup role uh just like joe kelly is you know joe kelly doesn't like closing either uh he finds it to be boring which is odd but um
1: yeah, you come in during one of the most intense parts of the game. He finds it boring. And I think that, I think probably there's something about closers maybe not, you know, more often than not going more than one inning, not being tasked with seeing more than, you know, three batters more often than not. And I think that's probably what Joe Kelly's hang up is on that. But I think uh, I'm glad you actually brought him up a little bit here, too, because now we're talking about we're another year removed from the, uh, nerve impingement imping you know, however you say that impingement 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 whatever. yeah yeah that uh you know Joe Kelly was experiencing in his elbow. No yeah, his was bicep so in yeah. the right yeah. so you know you kinda hope that maybe you get that guy back that was uh the Joe Kelly of the Dodgers.
0: Well you know? I mean
1: if you if you look at
0: his uh if you look at his stats from last year um he had something i think he had like something like a 5 5 era in the first half of the season and then in the second half his whip dropped by like 0.25 and his era dropped considerably as well uh, you know if you take out a couple of his blow up games that he had um in that second half his his whip was like sub 1 you know he was right. not he was he was Pretty stinking good in the second half, I mean, minus the uh, the triple play game. Um, and I think there was like one or two others. Well, the triple play game, he came in and like walked the bases loaded like right off the bat, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. But, I mean, you know, the guy has a history and he's generally, you know, he, he does have streaks where he loses it a little bit. Um, but for the most part, the guy's – a fantastic reliever and I'm glad that we have him. And I was happy when we did get him, but you know, the whole thing is that, you know, they were trotting him out there when he had the, the bicep thing and he was rehabbing essentially on the major league roster while doing that. Yeah.
1: I mean, we saw where, you know, they picked him up late last, uh, spring and he was still kind of working his way through, you know, getting himself right through that injury when they brought him up. And, uh, you know, like you said, as things improve over the course of the year, which is why I mentioned it in the first place, you know, we're another year removed now from that. And if last, uh, you know, the last half of last season was any indication, we might get to see some pretty electrifying stuff from him, you know, this season. And, you know, knock on wood when I say those kinds of things, obviously we've been a little bit uh, jaded when it comes to, uh, you know, Looking like we might have something nice, as Sox fans, you know what I mean? It's it, it's tough to to we don't we just don't get nice things, you know what I mean? And when we do, oh uh, they tend to break
0: in so, some fashion or
1: another. Yeah, right. So you know, like I said, knock on wood, but you know, all the all the uh, the peripherals and, and everything leading up to this off season looks like there could be some things moving in the right direction. And let me just throw this out there real quick at you. We probably talked about this ad nauseum. I shouldn't say probably. We did talk about this ad nauseum. But, you know, the new coaching staff at the helm, the bullpen that Rick Hahn built for this team last season was used quite inappropriately for a really big portion of the season last year. You know, uh, guys being left. You don't need to stop the bullpen. Out I mean, you die. can
0: you can essentially say the entire roster was used fairly poorly.
1: No, it, situationally, you know, absolutely. I mean, you know, no knock to Leary Garcia and all the things that he's done for this team over the last 10, 11 years, but uh, you know, he's not an everyday player. Even though we were force-fed that garbage last year, uh, he's a a fine utility man, and. Happy to have him on the roster as exactly that, a utility man. So I don't want to sit here and beat up on the guy. He does the job that he was hired to do. Unfortunately, we had a manager that didn't put him in that role. Uh, but, you know, I was just kind of making more reference to the bullpen because we saw it over and over again where, you know, he trot out the same three relievers for a week while the rest of these guys sat and and withered on uh, you know in the bullpen waiting and then when their turn came up sure they're probably throwing side sessions you know throughout the course of that week 8 days that they've been sitting around doing nothing during games but we you know you and I and everybody else that's ever played even a pickup game knows that you know you sit for a while you kind of lose interest use it or lose it is you know as the old saying goes and uh we saw a lot of that and we saw a lot of guys get some fatigue when they probably shouldn't have gotten fatigue because they were out there getting left out to die for way too long while you've got these other guys have been sitting around for five, six, seven, eight days straight. So, you know, those are all just kinds of things that uh, I want to, you know, point out that, yeah, losing Liam Hendricks for the season is, is a big, it's a big knock on the club. You know what I mean? It, it hurts. But uh, it's not the worst thing in the world from a baseball perspective. You know, on a personal perspective, uh, Godspeed, brother, but, you know, you get what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, no, I, it's a, overall, it's a terrible situation, um, and it is unfortunate for the White Sox, um, but that's, you know, secondary to Liam's health, you know, as a human being and, you know, with the, with the work that that guy does around town and has always done, you know, it's just a solid human being and, uh, it's, it's, uh, very sad, um, Moving along here, um, talk about some uh, around-the-league stuff that's been going on um, with White Sox ties. <laughs> um, yes, indeed. So saw Danny Mendick signed with the Mets for $1 million. One-year, um, $1, year, one million, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, Sounds right. So... We've got that. And then we've also got uh another former White Sox guy, uh, Adam Engel, signs with the Padres to be their uh to be you know, I would assume probably their fourth outfielder. I don't think he's gonna be starting. I would assume that they yeah. probably keep Grisham in center, I would think, but um unless, you know, Adam Engel catches fire and becomes the, the next coming. Um which well, as long know, as his
1: handies don't catch fire. <clears throat> you know. Again, Love the guy. Love everything that he did for the White Sox. Unfortunately for him, he just had some difficulty staying healthy.
0: Yeah. Unfortunate. Uh, and also uh, today, uh, I don't remember if it was for eight and a half or eight, but uh, Johnny Cueto signs with the Florida Marlins, uh, Miami Marlins. Is that the Miami Marlins? Now it's the Miami Marlins. Now um, mm-hmm. signs with Miami and uh, there are, quite a few people that are not happy that the White Sox did not resign Cueto and bring him back as a, a sort of, uh, I guess an insurance policy of sorts uh, for Clevenger and for the rest of the rotation. Um, especially at that, at that, you know, at that price point. Um, do you have thoughts on this?
1: Uh, you know, I I kind of understand uh why folks feel the way they do because, you know, as you mentioned, the price point is uh is quite nice for the guy who essentially was the second best starter on a on a fairly flat White Sox team last year. Uh, he brought some excitement and he was must-watch TV when he pitched. Uh, you know, those are the games, h- him and, and, and Dylan when they pitched. Those are the games that I felt like I most definitely have to, you know, at least give it a chance to try to make it through as much of the game as possible. Cause, you know, as we talked about before, it was difficult to, you know, watch all these games from start to finish last year. Those games were the ones that were, uh, you know, like I said, kind of designated to myself as must-watch must watch TV and must-attend games if I could get to a game. And, uh, you know, I can't say that I disagree. I, I think I would love to have had him back at, for that kind of money. But at the same time, uh, you've already got five starters on your roster at this particular moment, or at least what looks like five starters. Anyway, with the addition of uh Mike Clevenger, uh you're not going to go with a 6-man rotation. At least from what they've been talking about, you know, it's been kind of tossed around uh in MLB in general. Is going with uh, a 6-man rotation, you know, some teams have kind of really thought about that. You know, teams are starting to get creative with the way they use their pitching staff, so you know, openers and all this stuff, but The reality is, is I don't think Johnny Cueto is the kind of guy that's going to take a minor league deal anywhere. I don't think Mike Clevenger is going to want to play in the minors for the White Sox. And, you know, the rest of the rotation are guys that have been with this team uh, either for, you know, a couple of seasons or, you know, since they were, you know, just young bucks making their way up through the farm system. Those guys aren't going to want to take a seat either. So what do you do in that situation? If you do sign him. Somebody's going to have to uh, find them spot, find themselves a spot in the bullpen or down in AAA, and that becomes a conundrum. You're going to make somebody unhappy. There might be some dissent, and I don't really know that that's kind of thing you want on a White Sox team that really didn't have a lot of positive energy going last year. So, uh, you know, that's kind of my two cents. I, I'm really, really wanting to pick your brain on this one because I know you have some ideas of your own as well.
0: I, I'm pretty much right there. Um I, I don't think, you know, these these guys uh you know, the guys in the starting rotation, they want to pitch. They don't right. want they don't want extra time off. They want to get in their rhythm of having a five man rotation, they want to go out and do their thing every five days. And you know, with um you know, another guy there, the only the only reason that you need to worry about that is is for injury because I'm fairly certain that Kopech's going to finally be at a spot, you know, assuming that he can stay healthy and his knees don't, uh, you know, give out again. Um, right. You know, you're looking at uh, five guys that should be able to pitch, you know, a decent amount of innings that, you know, like each one of those guys should be able to pitch 150 innings, you know, you would right. think anyway. Um, Clevenger, I think he threw like 114 or something like that last year, uh, somewhere around there, it was 130 either way. It really doesn't matter, but I mean, you know, he's going to be upping his limits as well a little bit, you know, and hopefully, you know, another year removed from Tommy John, just like Cueto was just like Rodon was, you know, hopefully we catch that lightning in a bottle with a guy that's coming back from TJ, you know, I mean, I, you know, clearly i would have rather had carlos rodon i would have rather had you know justin verlander uh, but that was not you know in the cards and it's not within the no. payroll constraints that they
1: are setting for themselves so um which I- is unfortunate because they are nowhere near nowhere near the threshold that first threshold and uh you know having an entire uh, having an entire stable of right-handed pitchers in your rotation kind of sucks.
0: Yeah, it's not you know, it, uh, not ideal. That is that it's, is for it's sure. not.
1: There should be at least one lefty in that rotation somewhere. Carlos Rodon would have been fantastic if we could have been sitting here talking about Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon both being in Cy Young talks last season. I, there's no way in hell, even as poorly managed and uh, offensively woed as they were. There's no way in hell we'd be talking about an 81 and 81 team. You know, it, Carlos were down in the rotation had to be good for six or seven more wins. You would think. Yeah. So, you know, regardless, we don't have them. So, you know, the other thing is, is. Yeah, every team goes through. I think it's an average of like 9 or 10 starters a season, right? Uh, that's fine and dandy, but again, like I said, where do you put one of these guys until that opportunity arises? And these these are all guys that want to pitch and they want to pitch right now. They don't want to be in the bullpen. Yeah, so you're not going to get, get a Johnny Cueto and
0: put him in Triple no. A again. He's not going to take that assignment and you know, judging by the numbers from last year, he doesn't deserve to be there, so absolutely not. I completely understand why the White Sox didn't sign him, um, because it, it, like this season coming up right now is the season for Michael Kopeck. If he's going to do something, he has to do it, and if he stays healthy, uh, we'll see whether he's capable of doing that or not. And you know, the White Sox are putting faith in him to be able to be that guy that they think that he can be. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll see whether or not he lives up to it or not. I
1: mean, right. Well, you know, each of the past two seasons, we talked about Dylan cease taking that next step. And in 21, he did, he took a step. And in 22, he took a huge step. So, you know, now it's time for Michael Kopech to start taking those steps. And, you know, honestly, Now he's another year removed from his Tommy John surgery. Yeah, he had the knee issue, you know, towards the end of the year last year. It's minor, you know, same thing that I had going on as a, you know, 46, 47 year old. And uh, I've recovered nicely. So I expect the same thing for, you know, somebody his age who, you know, bounces back. Now you never know, but I would hope that, uh, you know, that's the case and he comes back and he shows us and takes that step that we're all looking for. And then, of course, you know, there's Luke.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see Luke what Luke is in a
1: contract here. Yeah, he is. You know, we've been hearing about it for two years now. Are the White Sox going to extend Lucas Giolito? And in 21, they said, well, you know, we don't really want to focus on that right now. We don't want Luke focusing on that right now. We want Luke to go out and pitch. And don't worry about it. We will make sure we take care of you. You know, there was something said along those lines in 21. It's okay. We're going to take care of you. Well, didn't happen. Didn't happen in the off season last year and it was talked about a lot in the off season last year. And even into the start of the season last year, is it gonna happen? Is it not gonna happen? You gotta, don't worry about it. We're focused on winning. Uh we're gonna take care of Luke. Well, we haven't heard anything take we haven't heard anybody take care of Luke, and unfortunately I think uh
0: Well, I think he's got a lot to do with that, you know, is that he is you know value, you know, putting a value on himself and last year he didn't meet it. Uh, so I Absolutely. mean last year he cost himself a lot of money, a lot of money, even if he comes he back this year and has a, has a, a good year last year cost him a lot of money because he doesn't have a track record of sustained success. He has, Correct. you know, a year that was bad another year that was bad a year that was dominant a year that was very good a bad year and then if he comes out this year and uh he has another good year you know you can say it's a hiccup but you know it's still going to cost him quite a bit of money so I don't, I don't we'll see we'll see what what he comes out as this year um you know well you know what? we're
1: going to get that line we're going to get that line of oh, he's in the best shape of his life after putting on 15 pounds of muscle last year. Yeah, well, year, last year, year he was lost. in a
0: shape as well, and it was a little bit more round, and it didn't work out it so was. well. You know, yeah, actually, it, uh, speaking of uh, that, uh, going back to Kopech, um, I, I want to ask you a question and see what your thoughts are on this. So shoot. Michael Kopech, when he was coming up, uh, the videos that we saw when we got him in the trade and that, that off season, he was in Texas and he was doing all this weightlifting work. And we see videos of him squatting like 400 pounds, you know, deadlifting 500 pounds, you know, like whatever it is. And, you know, sitting here pulling sleds with like 500 pounds on it. And, you know, the dude is just yoked. And then he goes on his, uh, you know, with the, with the 2020, you know, he has the TJ, and then uh, in 2020, because of, you know, COVID, he goes on his Crocodile Dundee walkabout and uh, is wandering through the wilderness in his Tiva sandals, uh, climbing up, you know, through mountains in Arizona. And he decides that he doesn't want to be, you know, built like that anymore. And now there have been injuries. I mean, I could be just, you know, thinking a little bit too much into it. But, uh, I mean, do you think that that's a durability concern for Michael Kopech with, uh, you know, having less of that muscle on his body?
1: Uh, It's possible. Uh, It's also possible some of that damage was done during... Some of those workouts, That's you know, possible. when you talk yeah. about a pitcher squatting and, you know, squatting four or five, 800, whatever, how many pounds it was. I remember it was ridiculous amounts. Uh, he was on the leg press machine doing, you know, I mean, there was just plates and plates and plates on that leg press machine. Yeah. And he was doing, the, you know, the the traditional squats with the bar over the shoulder. And and there were plates on that bar. And, you know, we, we saw all of those workouts. And then, you, and then you hear about a guy who's, you know, 26 years old, blowing his knee out or at least on his way to blowing his knee up, you know, uh, possibly it's, it's possible that goes both ways. I really wish I knew how to answer that. Uh, but yeah, I guess there's gotta be something that has to be said about conditioning when you go from that type of conditioning, when you're, you know, you're built like an Adonis to, you know, being lighter at 25, 26 years old than you were at 22. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's it's usually the other way around. When you're a 21, 22, 23 year old coming up, you kind of tend to gain a few pounds, no matter who you are, whether you're an athlete or just you know a young strapping man growing you know into his adult body. Yep. So uh, you know, I, I it's a tough question. I wish I had a better answer. Yeah, for it, I mean, but it's possible that that could go either way. Honestly.
0: Yeah. The only reason I ask is because you know, other than the broken hand, the injury that really, you know, obviously you had the TJ, but the other parts of his body were all like, they seem stable. And since he stopped being that workout warrior guy, that it seems like the injuries have moved elsewhere. And I'm just curious as to, you know, I mean, I, I don't expect you to have a hundred percent accurate answer. I mean, that's not where I was no, going of with this. I, I was just,
1: know. I was just wanted to bounce it off you and see what you thought about it. Well, I guess the only thing I can say about that is, is you know, as we all hope, uh, I hope that uh, this new strength and conditioning staff that uh, the White Sox have invested in, uh, you know, kind of sees these things and uh, runs in the direction they feel like they need to run it. You know, uh, maybe for once when we hear, you know, the, the, the inevitable presser of so-and-so is in the best shape of their life, that it's actually true
0: yeah well i mean let's hope that the uh the biomechanics thing that is rumored to be going on in the strength and conditioning program that that is indeed a reality and that it does pay dividends for this franchise because absolutely quite frankly i'm sick of watching nothing but injury after injury after injury um
1: as are we all
0: one uh one last one that i wanted to bring up uh uh, I think it was yesterday. Uh AJ Pollock signs with the Mariners for 7 million dollars in 1 year and he's rumored to be be, be platooning with Jared Kellenick. Um so overall all AJ Pollock had to do was pay 1 million dollars to get out of Chicago.
1: Yeah, he That's lost That's the way I'm looking lost at the- it. He lost a million bucks and, you know, when he left, he kind of seemed like he was more on the unhappy side anyway. Just didn't feel, I don't know, you know, we'll never really know the whole story unless it comes out later, but it just seems like that maybe he was never really a fit in this clubhouse on this team. He just wasn't happy with the way things went. I think a lot of guys weren't, you know, again, I think that might've been a, you know, a staff issue that, uh, kind of, you know, took its hold with this clubhouse. You know, that that's the kind of thing. It's a disease that uh, sets in and grows and festers into something much worse. And, uh, you know, honestly, none of us thought he was going to get anywhere close to that $8 million that he would have gotten stayed here, uh, you know, this season or whatever. So for the fact that he got $7 million to go play, in Seattle, and he only really took a loss of a million dollars. It you know between staying here and going there, uh, you know, good for him. Yeah, that's what I. Maybe said. it's a better yeah. fit. And and you know, you're talking about the Mariners too, who's another team that's got aspirations to to do some things. Uh, it might still be difficult for them. They do play in a tough division, and and uh, even with some of the moves they've made this off season, I'm not quite sure that they're there yet. But uh, good for him for trying to uh, do something for himself.
0: Yeah, I think that – I think there were a couple of things at play. I think that there was definitely some bad juju in the clubhouse um, last year with the TLR experience for everybody. And uh, I also think that, you know, he's a – number one, he's a – now he's a West Coast guy. I mean, he's from Indiana, I believe, uh, originally. But uh, I think that he's – now he's a West Coast guy, and he likes the weather out on the West Coast. And so he moved back out west. And uh, I also think that, you know, I think that the writing was on the wall from the front office, more or less telling him, hey, you know, we're probably going to go out and sign somebody else. And Oscar Colas is coming too. So you might want to start looking elsewhere if you want to play at all next year because you're not going to get a lot of playing time here. You know, and I think, you know, I think that it was always in the plans for, Uh, you know, Rick Hahn has had it in, you know, had it in his mind that he wants Andrew Benintendi for years now. And
1: I don't think, yeah, I mean, he was the guy they wanted in the draft when he was drafted.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, they, they talked about him being high on their draft board. Uh, they've been quite enamored with him since he was just a young buck. So, yep. Yeah. Not to say that he's not a young buck now. He's, he's definitely, he's in that he's at that age now where he's supposed to be, you know, kind of entering his prime. Yep. And God, I mean, for what the guy has done already in his young career, if he's now just entering his prime, White Sox could be in for a, a good ride with him.
0: Yeah. You know? I, I'm certainly hoping so. Uh, you know I mean? Seeing that, uh, you know, what he's done and the fact that he's a gap hitter and the fact that we have seen that in the past, there has been the ability to channel power every once in a while, right? Um, and the fact that he is a capable left fielder—I mean, you know—we've seen the arm. <laughs> you know, obviously, the arm's not the the, well, uh, the ideal I mean, you thing, know, but as, as a left fielder, it's not the number one qualification anyway.
1: You know, when when the White Sox signed him, I think I saw that video of the—I don't know the what is it like the 12 hopper back yeah. to the oh. infield, whatever you want to call it, yeah. the, the 53 footer that just kind of rolled in whatever. I mean, you know, beat up on the guy for it at all. You want to, but that's obviously not typical of him either. Uh, it would be very difficult for someone to have positive F war if they threw the ball like that all the time. Yeah. So no. Yeah. Yeah. You know. No, I, I, there was, there was, there was another play
0: that he did make against the white Sox That was, that was a good throw. Um, but I just want to throw this out there that that throw hit far enough away from home plate that I still think Javi Baez probably would have swung at it. Ooh. Um, anywho, uh, so sick they <laughs> They go ahead and call it for this week. Um, yeah. yeah uh th- thanks for coming on danny appreciate it
1: um yes yeah, so yeah, shame sh- we couldn't go live we didn't have our folks in the chat but uh you know let's just say we miss all you guys tonight uh unfortunately twitch had other ideas with their servers uh apparently being down pretty much all over the country when we got on uh well you know we miss you guys we'll see you again next week
0: yeah um yeah so we will uh I don't know. This is kind of one of those things that's been in the in the works for a little bit, trying to think about uh, what we wanted to do as far as a uh, home location for this stream anyway. We had kind of thought about possibly moving it elsewhere at some point anyway, so I don't know. Maybe this will uh, spur on that conversation, but uh, anyway, uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter uh whitesocksdaily.substack.com you can find written information you can find this podcast there as well as all the places where you download your podcast um and this will be out in the morning um not that i i don't know who i'm telling cuz we're not streaming so i don't need to tell everybody that it's going to be out in podcast mm-hmm. form tomorrow but uh yeah um yeah, we've got a Facebook group and uh, we also have a YouTube page. Just go ahead and search White Sox Daily. There's some highlights on there of some minor league stuff on there. Uh, keep on meaning to put some uh, highlights, uh, you know, like some of the bigger moments of the year, put those up on YouTube as well. And I will do that, uh, you know, minor league uh, update, you know, like some minor league highlight videos of uh, some of the big stuff that happened. And uh, so keep your eyes out for that as well. Uh, thank you for listening, and this has been White Sox Daily, and my name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, the Danny Miller, you guys have a wonderful day, and we appreciate you guys. Thanks. Bye.